0: All right, superhumans. So today on the podcast, we are going to go deep into muscle building with little time with my friend, Amigo, and guy who is traveling all around the world right now, Chris Gethin. But before I get into introducing Chris, I want to give a shout out to a couple of listeners who have been rating the podcast on iTunes. This one goes out to L. El Unger. Ellie? Not quite sure. I wish I had a phonetical breakdown there, but she says, great show. Love this podcast. Boomer interviews amazing guests. I find it informative and helpful, even though I'm new to a lot of the biohacking world. It's okay. We all are. And some of us don't even use the term biohacking. He asks great questions and you can tell he really wants his listeners to get a good experience and to be able to utilize the information. Well, thank you for that. and. You know, I just love reading some of these reviews. If you want to leave a review on iTunes, head on over there, iTunes, and just put in Decoding Superhuman, plug in five stars, leave a nice little commentary, and we'll read it on the podcast. All right, so back to my guest, who, among other things, has become quite a good friend. We've shared amazing ideas together. We've had a lot of fun. We've just chatted about everything from vacation destinations to treadmill desks to a whole bunch of other things. But Chris Gethin is an internationally renowned businessman, celebrity trainer, and physique transformation specialist. He's the CEO of Cage Muscle Supplements, co-founder of Chris Gethin Gyms franchise, founder of healthkick.com, author, educator, biohacker, and hybrid athlete. And so today, I get to pick Chris's mind on, well, we spend a lot of time on that last concept, which is the hybrid athlete. I go through Chris's book and talk about why a bodybuilder, which is Chris's background, would want to do something like an Ironman triathlon. And believe it or not, Chris was able to do the Ironman triathlon, not lose any muscle and actually gain muscle. And so what did that look like for him? We get into a lot of it on today's podcast, but you can imagine trying to consume 5,000 galleries on very long bike rides, but also being able to jam in weightlifting sessions with a very rigorous training and client schedule, of course. The show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash Chris. That's K-R-I-S. And enjoy this conversation with the legendary Chris Gethin. Mr. Gethin, so good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, it's been a long time, isn't it? It's been about <laughs> a week now. Be careful. I have to start showing up at your home and joining you on that, that treadmill. Oh,
1: Look at well, be careful well, yeah, what you wish yeah, for, that's sir. For sure.
0: If you ever come back to this side of the pond, we'll have to get together or we'll probably meet in the middle somewhere. Uh, so yeah, yeah, Chris, I, I have to ask a question that came out of your book. You have an app on your phone that tells you exactly how long you have to live. What's the name of the app? Because I like I did it with a spreadsheet, but I would love to know. Ooh. I've got, well,
1: I haven't even, I've got it right here. I forget the name of it, actually. It's called Countdown. Count, yeah, Countdown. And, uh, yeah, so it, it gives me a sense of urgency with a lot of things. So you can see the actual icon here. Let's see what I've got left. It's waiting. I'll bring it up in a second. But it gives me a sense of urgency because, you know, we always get to like 2020. God, where did 2019 go? You know, we're always thinking, where did that time go? Went so fast. So it allows me to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more present, uh, a little bit more assertive, you know, like with the conversation that we're having now. I'm not messing around with my phone. And you go to, out to dinner and you 'll see a lot of people they 're distracted they 're not really in the conversation and you know i 'm old enough to have the comparison to know yeah. what it used to be like, so I try to bring it back a little bit and that 's one of the reasons why I live in Boise, Idaho because there 's four seasons here as well, and it helps me break up the year so that app uh, you know some people think it's a little bit morbid because it counts down the minutes the hours the meals that you have left giving you an average lifespan of like, I don't know, I think it was like 90 years old or something like that, 85 years old. And uh, so so every meal counts, every minute counts, every conversation, every day, you know, so uh, I like yeah,
0: that. Yeah, I, I love Like I said, I tried to back it out on a spreadsheet, but it's harder to carry around a spreadsheet with you all the time. Uh, yeah, so, so here it says uh, I've got uh, –
1: 37,000 meals is quite a lot of meals. I guess that's based on what I used to eat six meals a day. And, you know, there's basically I've got 43% power <laughs> oh, wow. left
0: if you're looking at this visually. 43% power that's left. That's great. Back so, <laughs> look, you're known for the bodybuilding element of things, but you also decided to almost go to the other side of the barbell and do the Ironman. And I have to ask, like, what prompted the Iron Man? Because you were doing, you still are doing a lot of bodybuilding things. And, like, the Iron Man, a lot of bodybuilders would think of that as death to muscle. What prompted it?
1: Yeah, that's true yeah so uh, i 've always been somebody that 's done cardio every day, if not twice a day. Mm-hmm. It just feels good, and uh, you know i don 't want to just work out my delts and my traps. I want to work my heart I want to work my lungs it 's uh, not it 's not going to be my upper pec development that 's going to get me to a hundred years old it 's going to be the the functional uh, aspects of uh, my livelihood within me is going to get me there. So um, a lot of people would frown upon that, but I found that I recovered very well by doing cardio a couple of times a day. I'm carrying oxygen-rich blood, nutrient-rich blood around to my body parts that I've just annihilated in the gym. So that allowed me to go from a typical four or five-day split to about six-day split. So I was able to recover that much better, but still, you know what, the haters like online so I figured well I know I'll go and do the extreme and I'll give myself six months to prepare for an Ironman and within that six months I did an Olympic distance triathlon I did a half Ironman and I did a full Ironman and I went to the lab at the university here and uh, had all the tests the DEXA scan Um, You know, the FTP, lactate threshold, all these various tests to show that I would not lose muscle during this period. And I didn't. I actually put on muscle during that time. However, I didn't train and eat like a Mm -hmm. typical triathlete. I ate uh, more and supplemented more uh, than a typical bodybuilder, you know, because I was still weight training in the gym as a bodybuilder. Plus, you know, still, you know, what I do to this day. A lot of uh, endurance activity, and I wanted to also merge the both because a lot of bodybuilders are like mantle pieces. They just mm-hmm. they're just there, and they don't want to exert any energy. And I think there's a lot they can benefit from the endurance world. And I wanted the endurance world to see the positive aspects of strength training for them as well. So this hybrid athleticism, since is. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, awesome, man. So let's, let's jump in a little bit to that training regimen, because if you're doing bodybuilding and you're maintaining the muscle and you're doing the Ironman, that sounds like a lot. Was your entire life basically dedicated towards the Ironman at this point, or was there room for, you have multiple businesses, you got gyms in India. How did you keep it all going? Well, do you know what? During the week, I was actually doing less
1: cardio than okay. what I typically do. Because I, I, I like to do a lot of uh, low level activity, you know, like I'm talking to you right now on a treadmill. Um, but uh, I, was only tra- I was only doing a- an hour of cardio a day, max, mm-hmm. five days a week. And my weight training is usually about 40 was well, 45 minutes, four times a week. You know, it's not that excessive. Uh, You know, I'm the kind of person that gets up very early in the morning. I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. So I've got everything done by about 7 a.m. I've got my whole day then to, uh, you know, carry on with my businesses. It was only on the weekends that things changed for me because during the week, I'm doing a lot of hill sprints, a lot of high intensity interval work. But then on the weekends, I knew that I had to have time in the saddle. I had to get used to a fueling myself without, you know, what they call bonking or hitting a wall. And, uh, and I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable, but going long and slow. So I'd go for like a, you know, maybe a 12 mile run on a Saturday and on a Sunday, maybe an 80 to a hundred mile bike ride. That was the only difference, but Hey, yeah. it was my weekends, you know, but I, again, I'd leave early in the morning on, you know, on my bike ride, I'd be back by 12. Yeah, one so, I
0: mean, it sounds like in reality, it's I've heard of Ironman athletes even have longer training regimens than that in some cases, and so oh, you, for sure the ability so to put on hours. muscle then was that mainly how, what do you attribute that to in terms of that was that just excess calorie consumption or uh, the supplement regimen? There's some of it in the book, but was it just consuming an absurd amount of amino acids? What What do you attribute it to?
1: Yeah. So it was a few things, uh, you know, like nutrition was a big protocol. I was eating, you know, sometimes like on a weekend, like when I was going long and slow uh, for like an 80 mile bike ride, I could, you know, excess of 5,000 calories on a Sunday like that, you know, that was a minimum, 5,000 would be a minimum. So it was like a, a buffet, a, psych, a moving buffet, I'd call it. So I'd have a backpack with food in my pack, you know, I'm going out with some other triathletes and they're just eating a couple of bars and a couple of gels, but it was different because I was trying to maintain, if not build muscle mass. A lot of it came down to recovery. That was a huge uh, part of the aspect that is often overlooked. You know, your recovery is, your performance is dictated with your recovery. So I ensured that I got good Mm -hmm. quality sleep, you know, I was quantifying my sleep. I was doing everything that I could to bring my cortisol levels down as low as possible, staying calm, uh, meditation, breath work, uh, things like that, you know, try not to be too stressed because i can be a little bit edgy at times and uh, that was a big aspect of it you know a lot of uh, hot and cold thermogenesis after a long bike ride or run you know, i'm jumping in the ice bath or cryotherapy chamber and uh, when it came to supplementation like for instance, sometimes I'd go out and do my training fasted. So my body would be a little bit more fat adaptive uh, on occasion, not all the time. But during that time, I'd call it a controlled fast. So I'm drinking my essential amino acids. I've got my fermented glutamine in my other bottle here. I may have my whey isolate, you know, so a lot of my fluids Were never plain water. It had some form of amino acid profile to maintain muscle protein synthesis. You know, like I've always got colored water with me.
0: (laughs) I love it. And that's a gallon jug for those who are listening on the audio, or maybe even a half gallon. But uh, one of the things you mentioned in the book was you quickly hired a coach. What was the role of the coach in this, and how did it help you? I think a coach is very,
1: very helpful because they
0: can pull you back. If you look at a
1: lot of athletes, whether they be bodybuilders or endurance athletes, we do tend to overtrain. You know, so it's always good to have somebody to help pull you back. But this person's name was Alex Viada, and when I started doing this, I hadn't found anybody that had done anything like what I was trying to do until I came across Alex Viada, who's like a two 200- hundred. 30 pound powerlifter who also competes in ultra marathon and ironman events and uh, i got to know alex uh, you know I, I reached out to him luckily he knew me through uh, social platforms and uh, we just got into conversation and he was really able to really get a lot of knowledge that he could help me that i couldn't find in a magazine or i couldn't find from even like a world champion uh, ironman athlete you know uh, increasing the strength and the stability of our ankles because our upper bodies are so big so it's very easy for us to twist an ankle you know because all my running mostly was off-road I was doing trail running to take the stress away from my hips my knees my back but I've sprained my ankles about eight times I've broken my ankles as well from racing motocross so he was able to help me in areas like that that I never really would have thought of and uh And not always trying to go as far as you can, as long as you can, keeping these intervals into very short periods, but hard. Never really going into a gray area. It was either slow recovery rides and running sessions and swimming or very hard. It was never in the middle. And, uh, you know, it it was good to have him to check my HRV and look at the training protocol based on my responses. He would change the, uh, the training following that
0: okay let's go into that uh injury you had an injury prevention protocol which i found yep. fascinating because most people uh, like myself for instance when i did a marathon it was just sort of like okay how can i do a marathon in eight weeks um it's not quite an iron man but i didn't have the injury prevention protocol in place what did that look like for you and at what point did you say like hey i need this shit
1: from the very beginning, uh, ah. because like I've had so many injuries uh, in the past from snowboarding, you know I've I've torn my pec, torn my uh, hamstring, I've uh, you know separated both my shoulder joints, uh, torn my rotator cuffs. I've done, have had so many injuries, but outside of the gym from extreme sports, uh, which yeah, go figure. And mm-hmm. uh, I knew that when I started doing a little bit more running. I found that a lot of these injuries that I'd completely forgotten about started to surface themselves. And when I started researching a lot more into like marathon runners, uh, I found that there seemed to be a lot more injuries within the endurance sector than the strength training sector, which was very surprising to me, just that repetitive compounding movements, especially running. You know, cycling, not so bad. Swimming, fine. But running was the big one. And uh, I knew being a bigger person, uh, you know, exceeding like about 220 pounds, being quite short and having all these injuries was just not, was a recipe for disaster if I didn't really focus on injury prevention. So I'd get a lot of hate online because now I'm squatting on a BOSU ball with plates on my back, Ah. Uh, you know. I'm on wobble boards. I'm doing rotations for my ankles every single day, doing a lot of stretching, having a lot of massage. And uh, that kept me in the game for sure. You know, I have had a couple of injuries, but they could have been so much worse hadn't I'd uh, uh, undergone that preventative measures. And, you know, I've, I've gone a little bit further as well and had stem cell uh, treatment which has really really helped because mm-hmm. uh, again i want to stay injury free but i don't want to get to 90 years old and regret the things that i've done now
0: of course of course now talk us through the race and how that went because i have so many questions i want to ask you but i want to hear first about the race and sort of what were the challenge une- unexpected challenges that you faced uh, for instance the wall where people bonk did you ever come up to that how did that work
1: no, I always aired in the caution of eating too much and drinking too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, I, when I went into um, the full Iron Man, I was quite calm in comparison to the half Ironman Man because I did my half Iron Man at quarter lane. So I knew the track, I knew the route that I was going to uh, go into. I was just going to do like one, uh, two loops instead of the one loop. Um, And I'd got quite a good time in my half Ironman. So I figured, okay, whatever I did, you know, I had all the times written on my swim, of my run. Of, a, of the bike, and I thought, okay, I am just gonna make sure that I time myself a good five to 10 minutes back from the swim, from the run, from the you know the, the cycle, so I knew that I'd pace myself, because I had a lot of cameras on me. This was filmed as a daily video trainer, and mm-hmm. it was published on bodybuild.com, and they have like 4.1 million f- followers on, on uh, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, subscribers on there. So I thought, well, no one's gonna care where I finish, they're going to care if I finish or not. Yeah. So I just really took my time and stayed calm. My parents flew over from Wales. They were there. And my father had always been with me throughout my motocross career. So I felt very comfortable and very calm. And uh, I was also doing it on behalf of um, uh, an all girls orphanage in India. And I've actually got what's called a kara here that I got from the Golden Temple. Yeah. And I remember swimming because. When the swim started, like I had uh, elbows hitting me, knees hitting me, everything. And even though I'm a bigger person, I am very, very small in that water. You know, I -hmm. I had a little bit of a panic in there. And, uh, you know, I I thought, God, how can I regulate my breathing? Because I've got to stay calm within the swim. Obviously, you can't breathe. You can't swim. And I remember as my hand was coming in front of me and I saw this Kara on my wrist i realized this is much bigger than what you know issues or problems that i think that i'm dealing with in my head because i'm taking an, an elbow or uh, you know a fist to the face accidentally and mm-hmm. that kind of just reminded me to stay on track it's a very hot day uh, so i just ensured that i just stayed extremely hydrated getting plenty of electrolytes in because there were so many people that i saw dropping like flies because they were drinking a lot of fluid but not looking at the quality of what was in that fluid so they yeah. were they were dehydrating themselves really because you know there was uh, lacking all the 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 nutrients that the, anti, the uh, sodium needed
0: yeah for sure so chris i want to chat before we go on to the bodybuilding side of things you have this amazing entrepreneurial career and you have multiple businesses going on, you have the podcast, you have gyms all over the place, you have a supplement line, you have a massive social media presence. Uh, Let's start with the gyms. Where does India come into play here? Because it just seemed kind of a little bit random to find that, you know, there's there's Chris Gethin gyms in India.
1: Yeah, it is random. I get that question all the time. Uh, I'd written a, I published a book through Simon & Schuster back in 2010, and it, it was called Body by Design. Mm-hmm. And I was asked to go over to an event in India uh, to do an appearance, and I had my books there. That book made its way to a celebrity over there named Riddick Roshan. And he needed somebody to help transform him uh, for this movie role called Krish, which is like a superhero trilogy. And this was, this was uh, one that he needed to get in shape in. However, he had ruptured a couple of discs in his back and he had problems. And uh, I remember I was back in the UK at the time and my manager called to say, hey, this guy Riddick Roshan, because my, my manager's uh, from Indian heritage as well, even though he lives in London. And I remember just being in a supermarket thinking, Riddick Roshan, who's this guy? I don't know who he is. And uh, he wanted me to help transform him. Long story short, I had a consultation, went back over there. That 12-week transformation turned into several years because of then I started working with other celebrities because his transformation just hit headlines over Mm -hmm. there. And these actors are not actors. They're gods in India. Yeah. And uh, so I stayed there for several years, but I knew that I I could see that there was a huge lack in education in India. They're motivated, they're passionate, but lack it in education. And uh, I was training a lot of personal trainers there in my um, fundamentals like DTP, Dramatic Transformation Principle. So I certified over 800 trainers and realized, okay, these people need an academy. But we can allow the public to come in as well. And that's kind of how Chris Gethin Gyms was uh, was formed. So it's with a real focus on the infrastructure, of course, we have the best equipment and it looks great. But the infrastructure of the training, that's how it came about. And uh, it's, it's, it's been going great. If you can uh, open a franchise in India, I think you'd open one anywhere.
0: That's absolutely true. You've seen many multinational businesses fail in India. So that's pretty impressive. Now, uh, where, didn- where in India did you start? Uh, we
1: started in Hyderabad. So okay. I transformed a gentleman called uh, Mahesh Babu, who's a South Indian actor, a very famous South Indian actor. And that seems to be the, great, the perfect place to start off our first facility, especially because I was uh, residing in that area for about a year.
0: Okay, Awesome. And so you have multiple business lines and they're now all across the globe. Just out of personal interest here, how do you keep it all together without going insane? You know, how does, how do you manage to stay productive on a day-to-day basis?
1: Who says I'm not insane?
0: (laughs) We're all just a little uh, insane, right? (laughs) We're all one Uh, step away from insane or what is
1: insanity? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I surround myself with real good people. I'm not very, you know, I I cannot admit that I can excel at one thing. I just can't. Uh, But collectively, maybe I can. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that will read like six books at a time because I'll start to get a bit of ADD and I need to move on to the next one. So, you know, it, it takes me a while to finish those books and uh it it just keeps me interested i like the fascination of seeing something grow and then i want to see something else kind of grow alongside it Mm -hmm. and having something within this sector that i know and they can complement each other really helps as well so obviously my supplement line complements that my you know my personal platform my podcast, they all complement each other. And Mm -hmm. we do a lot of tours and seminars. Um, Like I'm about to go to India with Ben Greenfield now, Um, week after next, well, I'm going next week. And, you know, it's a perfect opportunity for us to spread the word. And you just never know what happens at one of these talks. Someone will come up with a business idea, a venture, and you just go, yes, let's do it. And Mm -hmm. the next thing you know, there's another business, you know, it's not always intentional they just happen
0: yeah that's beautiful and and in
1: regards to uh stay insane um i I, I bookend my days so i make sure that i don't check my phone for the first half hour in the morning i've got what's called a feet up that helps me do a headstand in the morning i'm meditating i'm in front of my infrared panel and i'll do the same thing in the evening i'll just switch off because you know I, i i don't want uh the artificial light at that time anyway, mm-hmm. but I don't want my brain racing. So I'll usually just read in the evening. And that helps me stay sane, you know, especially, you know, much like you, you've got work internationally. It can be very easy for you to get down that rabbit hole where you're in bed on the phone or answering emails. Yeah. Like you, you just can't do that. You'll get to the end of your life with the regret that you did it, you know? So I always think to the future. What is my future self going to tell me that I should have spent more time on the phone, or that I bookend and just put the quality time in? Because I'm more I'm more useful to people if I've if I've if I'm stress free, you know. And I'll just be stressed if I was on it all the time.
0: And this is why apps like Countdown or having a spreadsheet that just reminds you how many days you have left are very helpful. This is great. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
0: Uh, Chris, let's go into bodybuilding because there's a lot of people here listening executives, entrepreneurs, really high performing corporate professionals who are saying like, hey, I would love to put on some muscle, man. Uh, But either time is an issue, or they just don't exactly know how to do it. They're also trying to fast. I guess let's take time because you are an entrepreneur yourself. You work out 45 minutes a couple of times a week. Take us through just sort of some steps that people can use to put on some muscle if they want to.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, the first thing that I say, especially to people or clients over the past 10 years, is stress, stress management, you know, because um, I'm dealing with clients that encounter much more strength than I did the decade before. Um, And I think it's because of we're too accessible now. So with that, we give too much of ourselves. We never give enough to ourselves. You know, we give away so stress management is going to be the biggest thing and fasting that's absolutely fine but i do get a lot of my clients to control their fast and what i say control is of course you know we're not talking about eating food but at least take some essential amino acids not bcaa's because the leucine can uh, give you a high insulin spike but essential amino acids maybe some glutamines just to help you stay anti-catabolic but, you know, sleep is pretty much going to do the thing. You know, a lot of people, a lot of my clients, if I get them to quantify their sleep, they're getting about five hours. Ouch. But I function fine, Chris, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not because you aren't able to put on muscle. Those are the biggest things. And controlling your environment and not allowing yourself to get controlled by it. Because people throughout the week, they're very good. They're at work. They're scheduled. They're on time. They get to the gym in the morning. But the weekend throws them off. Social gatherings, parties, sleeping in. And you just have to learn to, you know, don't think of your weekend as W E A k-e-e-e-n-d you know it's your weekend there's seven days don't think of it being any different to the other five days stay on schedule go to bed at the same time wake up at the same time and just you know just put yourself first and uh, you know the environmental factor all comes from the neck up not from the neck down you can blame your genetics you can say that someone's getting results better than you but it all comes up to you know, from the neck up, you've got to change the environment that is crying
0: doubt, weakness and excuse in your head. And you've done some great posts on mindset and that kind of stuff. But let's break down into like tactical, how often should somebody be training? Um, Is there a right number for for people? Is it five days a week? Is it three days a week? Is it one? What do you think?
1: Weight training, it can be anywhere from three to five. Three to five. You know, I work with mostly people that are just off the street or entrepreneurs or, you know, people who want to maybe compete in a bodybuilding show or an Ironman, they're not professional athletes. Mm-hmm. If somebody's a professional athlete and they're on extracurricular su- supplementation, those people can probably train six or seven days a week. The rest of us can't. You know? So three to five, why I say three days a week weight training is because I've had clients who do own various business and they hardly sleep and they're stressed. So they're not going to do well training five days a week they'd mm-hmm. probably do themselves more harm. So I'll get them training three days a week for an hour each time. Other people who are sleeping well, they're quantifying, they're hydrated, they're eating, they're stress-free, then five days a week is perfect. And again, for about 45 minutes, it's all about quality, not messing around with your phone, you know, put that in a locker and it's quality time. But cardio, I get everybody to do cardio every single day. We are designed to move. You know, much like, think of yourselves, you know, our ancestors, they had to hunt, they had to gather. And that's what I always like to try to get my clients to do as well. If they cannot always get to the gym, then, you know, stand up and sit down 50 times that day, stop after 30, 60 minutes and actually do some push-ups, do some burpees, just some sort of movement, especially after a meal to bring your blood sugar levels down. Sometimes I'll wear a blood glucose monitor and if I can get my clients to do so, you know, I'm, always thinking, okay, activity after a meal, activity after a meal, and that will help regulate your blood sugar levels as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I want to come back to that daily cardio thought sure. in a second but when we're looking at and we can answer this question in two parts but when you're looking at a three or a five day training split, what does kind of the body part regimen look like because you know somebody like me I love for instance like traditional west side splits of that max effort upper and lower and then dynamic effort it's blown up my nervous system before but you know when we look at, your average run-of-the-mill person, how do you split up body parts or however you want to call it?
1: Yeah, it's usually two to three body parts. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it could be chest and tricep, back and biceps, legs and shoulders, and we'll Mm -hmm. throw abs and calves in there as well you know? Okay. Uh, so that would be like a three day split. So I usually like to go for more so like the bro split dependent yeah. on, uh, you know, what that client is needing, but sometimes it will be push pull. So one day we'll just do all pushing movements. Other day we'll do all pulling and then they'll take a day off and then they'll repeat that again, but with different exercises, let's say that, you know, Monday, Tuesday, take a day off Thursday, Friday, we do the same push pull however, different movements, you know, I usually like to block off the workouts into four week uh, increments. So they'll follow a workout for four weeks, then based on their response, how they how they feel, uh, what's hurting, what isn't what exercises, they get a good mind muscle connection on they don't, then we change it over the next four weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. And so those exercises that they do get a good mind muscle connection on, are you switching it to encourage more adaption? Or are you keeping it the same? Uh, no, I encourage you to
1: more adaption. So, you know, they should always beat their previous weight or reps. Yeah. You know, every time. All dependent on the exercises and all dependent on the rest periods, you know, because if I'm going to get their rest period only to be like 45 seconds, then they're probably not going to increase in strength. But sometimes I'll get them on a strength protocol where they're going to be resting for about two to three minutes and it's all compounds. Mm-hmm. So then we will go by strength adaptation.
0: Mm -hmm. And what about deloading in these things? I always, you know, when I was doing CrossFit, there was always a deload week, right? Well, now that I'm by myself, there's kind of a deload day built in. But how do you look at deload for people, particularly busy people who may be thrashing their nervous system in other areas of the world?
1: Yeah, well, if there's a thrash in their, thrash in their uh, nervous system, then the chances are I've got them on a three-day week protocol anyway, maximum. And, yeah. you know, on that non-training day, they're doing like some low-level cardio. There's no hit. Because a lot of people love doing a hit and that's absolutely fine. Great for anti-aging purposes, mitochondrial uh, purposes. But uh, if I've got them on a calorie deficit and, you know, they're, they're, they're hitting uh, you know, large muscle groups, they're training deadlifts, squats, bench press, stuff like that. I don't want to spike their cortisol again. So i usually just get them to do very, very low level activity. And that's like my, de- that's their deload, like, you know, mm. stress-free, but if they're going, let's say if they're dieting over a 12 week period, over that 12 week period at the end
0: for about 10 days is a complete deload. Awesome. And macro splits for people who are looking to, let's say, put on muscle and put on weight, do you do you have a specific split that you focus on or do you look at it in terms of the individual? For instance, could you use a ketogenic diet and put on size and muscle at the same time?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll put people on keto, especially if they've created a lot of insulin resistance over mm-hmm. time and I just want to reset them. Other people I have on a cyclical keto approach and- yeah. Put on muscle just fine on that. A lot of that comes down to, as you know, uh, fully well, with a lot of the blood reports and their test DNA testing and stuff like that, that can help a little bit with a pinch of salt. Um, but when it comes to the usual macro split, it's usually 40 40 carbs and protein, then 20 fats.
0: Okay. Awesome. you know and,
1: and I, one thing that i always try to insist upon is that it's you know it's grass fed it's organic it's humane raised it's locally grown because mm-hmm. you know i could tell them to go eat salmon but if that's farm salmon that's going to have a completely different calorific and omega uh content compared to you know your wild caught
0: yeah absolutely so not necessarily like the iifym approach but more with yeah. the approach of getting the the wild organic type that's great
1: exactly yeah and i always tell people you know people that follow the you know if, if, if it's your macros i don't believe in that at all because it seems to give people the justification to go and eat twinkies and yeah. hot dogs and all sorts and i always tell them like think about the calorie what information do you want that calorie to give you is it going to heal you or harm you a lot of the time it's, it's harming people, but it makes them feel good, but it's not going to make them feel good in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back to to your cardio, you do it every day. And I have to ask, this is going to be my last question before we go into the final rapid fire questions. How do you fit it in every day? What does that look like? Is it on your treadmill desk or are you outside You know, doing a little bit of running? What does that look like for you?
1: I try to get outside once a day, for okay. sure. I want to get my, I want to get the sun. I want to get the restorative red light whenever I possibly can. It makes me feel good, as opposed to being stuck underneath the artificial lights all day. So mm-hmm. I get one of the sessions there. The other sessions all mix up. So I could go down into my garage. I've got one of those carol bikes. I,
0: get love, it. Carol. Yeah, yeah. I love it. On the yeah,
1: Absolutely yeah, it's, love it's it. It's one of
0: my favorite devices. It's great. Yeah, you must be sick too. <laughs> we, we all have a little bit of a sadistic side inside yeah. in us sure. when i'm in a rush and still need a workout i like to use a bike called the carol in eight minutes and 40 seconds i'm able to get a kick-ass workout where my legs just feel like jelly And why is that? Well, because it achieves rapid glycogen depletion through an AI-powered algorithm that allows you to really get personalized resistance in very little time. You get two 20-second sprints. That's it. And you're exhausted. So if you want to try this out, in fact, you should just go and get yours. You can use the code decoding150 at carolfitaI.com. It's been a really, really hot device these days. In fact, it's hard to get. But go over to carolfitaI, plug in the code decoding150, and you'll get a nice little discount.
1: So I'll jump on that. You know I love that, especially if I'm short on time, like I've got to fly uh, on Saturday early. So I'll probably jump on there before I go. Uh, I've got a curved treadmill downstairs as well. Sometimes I'll do some uh, work on there, some sprints. I've actually got a pain cave downstairs, so I'll do like a lot of functional work, like a lot of box jumps, kicking the bag, flipping the tire in the street here uh, with weird onlooking neighbors uh, coming my way. And so I like to mix things up. I like to. change things up constantly it helps me stay mentally stimulated
0: Ah, next time you're in Amsterdam we're gonna have to compare pain caves um
1: ah you've got a pain cave too
0: yeah except for my pain cave is kind of the European size which is jammed into a lot of room and I throw it in my backyard every once in a while when the sun's out yeah that's uh, that's, (laughs) that's
1: that's that's my way of uh socializing because yeah. i'm not a social person at all so i invite some friends around on a saturday morning and we just hit it and then we go jump in my i've got a sauna out the back we'll jump in the sauna then we all jump in the ice bath not together but i've got like a cattle trough and we'll jump in there and that's my mm-hmm. way of socializing because otherwise i'm not going to fit into one of those blue zones you know
0: exactly exactly you got to get the social aspect of health that's for sure exactly uh- Chris, final rapid fire questions for you. And some of these you might have touched on already on the podcast, but first book is what book has first question, not first book that kind of hits hints at the question. First question is is what book has significantly impacted your life and your ability to show up and perform in it?
1: Tribal leadership. I really like tribal leadership. It made me realize uh, that, you know, anything more than like a a tribe of seven, that you dilute yourself. It's very hard to keep that community within your business. That's where I use it more than anything within my career. So Mm. tribal leadership would be the big one.
0: How do you unwind?
1: Um, Usually reading a book.
0: What's the best piece of technology that you've bought in the past year? Or has or, been given to you?
1: Oh, over the past year. I'd say the bio strap for my uh, HRV. Uh,
0: awesome. Favorite vacation destination?
1: I don't know if I've been there yet. Bali, <laughs> Bali, is, Bali is where I want to go. Thailand Ooh. is pretty pretty cool.
0: I, I'm getting married there this year if you want to come and join. Oh,
1: really? You yeah. are? Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I know I know so many people that have been there and I just got have everything but great things to say about it. The Hanging Gardens looks really, really good there. Really nice.
0: I'll, I'll text you afterwards, but if you show up uh, in August, uh, we'll make room for you, that's for sure. August, cool. All right, thank you. Awesome. Uh, Chris, where can people find out more about you, all of the stuff you're involved in?
1: Okay, they can find me on my socials, like on Instagram, uh, Chris, K-R-I-S, Gethin, G-E-T-H-I-N. Uh, I'm pretty good on there. Uh, my website is healthkick, K I K dot uh, com also got you know my supplement company and whatnot but you pretty much find me on
0: instagram it's probably the best place awesome and we'll link to all of this in the show notes guys at decoding slash gethin that's g-e-t-h-i-n chris it's been a pleasure getting to know you over these past couple of weeks and i am serious come to bali i would love to get to see you in person
1: that could that could be just the just of the excuse that i need to get my butt over there
0: Awesome, my friend. To all the superhumans listening to this, have an epic day. All right, now, superhumans, that conversation could have gone on for much longer. I really appreciate Chris's just sort of general view on life, but also his ability to distill topics like muscle protein synthesis into very bite sized pieces of information. We had a good time. And if you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes, leave a five star rating. If you got something out of it, tag Decoding Superhuman on the social medias, and I would love to reshare what you have to say. Superhumans have an absolutely epic day. And remember, choose up.